Hello again and welcome back to Considerable Thought. It has been quite a while, but I am still uh, one of your hosts and still somehow the producer of this thing, Jaron Brandt, the student minister at Care Church, and I am with my friend and uh, persistent, uh, pesky, um, just, just won't give up on this project, podcaster, preacher, Drew Gaylor. Good alliteration, first of all. And I try my best. Yes, and I uh, have been persistent. And you, it has been a considerable amount of time. It has. Yeah. I've put considerable thought into what this next <laughs> series would look like, but right. we have been gone for uh, quite some time. Uh, it's been a, a busy season, or busy few seasons, I guess. And um, we have been uh, approached by many people saying, hey, where's the podcast? What are we doing with it? People within our own staff here at Care Church in Richardson have been talking to us saying, okay, you know, it was great. When are you going to do it again? And I've been at uh, a weird place uh, lately with my kind of drive to put together another podcast. And Drew has never lost faith in this project. Isn't that right? That's right. I'm, I'm always ready. Just put a microphone down. I can do a podcast. That's really, I've yeah. been keeping the microphone in my office. So really what this is, is it's Drew saying, I need a microphone again. Exactly. I don't get enough chances to talk into one. So <laughs> That's right. I need more. Well, before we talk about the future of this podcast and um, kind of what we're even doing right now, it's kind of random, right? Middle of the season to kind of publish one and, and start something new. But we figured now would be the right time. Before we get into that and what that's going to look like uh, here in the future, I just want to say uh, to those who listen to us, what in the world have we been doing? Um, for many of you, the podcast is a great way to, to see kind of uh, what it looks like behind the scenes, behind the curtain of a job within church staff and uh, what Drew and I do on a weekly basis, but it's been a while. It's been many, many months. I don't do Drew. Do you remember the last podcast we published? Like, do you remember? Not really. I know it was probably First John because we finished up that in May. April, May. Yeah. yeah. And so we probably finished the series that. So I don't really remember much else. It's been it's been a long time. So I just wanted to check in with you. I'll start with you, Drew. What since the last time we have been on the podcast, which has been maybe uh, June, July, August, September, October, away from the mic. Uh, what just give a quick overview of what have you been doing? What are some of the highlights from your life, both personally and professionally? It's what we usually like to talk about here on the podcast. That's right. And so uh, it's it's hard to even cover everything, right? So just kind of just some, some big stuff. One, over the summer, I uh, was able to go to Israel for the first time. That was a big thing, uh, a lot of fun. So that's both, I, I mean, personally and professionally, because it, it definitely uh, was fun to go, but also informs and helps a lot of my professional responsibilities as well. So um, we'd love to talk more about that later, but just it's one of those things where when we landed in our local tour guide uh, said this, uh, we were on this big bus, and he said, even if this is your first time here, you will feel like you're coming home because you've grown up singing songs about the mountains around Jerusalem. You've grown oh, up reading okay. these stories. And in a strange way, that, that was true. It did feel like a homecoming of sorts, even though it's a place I'd never been before. And uh, a lot of stories come to life. And uh, it, it just, uh, it's one of those trips I'll always remember and treasure. Uh, it was a great time. So that was kind of a big thing over the summer. Um, summer kind of flies by, you, you know, a million things are happening. I'm sure you, 
Yeah. It'd be hard to kind of cover everything you did this summer. Yeah, no, and I would I wasn't even going to attempt to when we were talking here. Just kind of uh, summers with teenagers in uh, a church setting with a youth group with a student ministry um, is nonstop, and it's it's a whole lot of fun. And uh, we spend so much time together that we we create this really cool foundation for what the next school year is going to look like. And mission accomplished with everyone who from from our adult volunteers to our parents to our you know college aged interns that came in uh, really was a great summer. But man, afterwards, I've kind of been in this like, uh, you know, regeneration mode um, because you make some really great progress on your relationships within that ministry, but you lose progress and a lot of the other things that maybe you were fairly consistent on within the school year. So um, what else uh, drew in the summer? Uh, the trip was big. What about post-summer? Because we're now in the fall. I mean, right. the kids are back in school. Um, what has that meant for you and your uh, preaching ministry? Yeah, I enjoy all seasons. Uh, I do enjoy, the, the, the I guess, the routine and uh, back to the uh, just week-to-week process of the fall and the school year starting back up again. And one of my favorite traditions that we do here is when we all read one book. And we do this in the fall, and the book we, we read together as a church and walked through uh, was Exodus. And so it was our first uh, book from the Hebrew Bible that we spent time doing this with. And like I said, it's just a really good thing that we do as a church uh, to, to immerse ourselves in one book and, and go deep into it. And then on Sundays, we spent time with seven different stories uh, to kind of get glimpses and, uh, and just what was the story of Exodus all about. And throughout the rest of the Bible, there's this reference to never forget uh, the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Never forget the Lord who brought you through the wilderness. And, and all those themes and, and just memories uh, form a foundation of a relationship between us and God. And so uh, that was a, kind of a big memory from this fall. And then just recently, just uh, got back from traveling to Providence, Rhode Island, where we partner with the Feast uh, Church there. And so we did a uh, preaching swap and... Caleb came down here and preached, and I went up there and preached. And I always love uh, getting to go up there and hang out with uh, with that church. A lot of good things happening. They're moving into a bigger place and space. And so, uh, yeah, just that was a lot of fun. Yeah, one of the things, uh, you speaking about all your travels, a lot of my traveling had to do with my job with, um, you know, camps or mission trips or um, just, you know, random one-off events during the summer. Um, but one of the things that was really exciting for me and my wife, Michaela, at the very end of summer is we got to take this anniversary trip, which was um, also kind of this really cool, very memorable, very life-changing type experience, uh, starting in Chicago and driving Route 66 down to the Midpoint, which is in Texas, uh, in the Panhandle. Um, we were going to do the whole thing, just didn't get around to it. It was going to be too long of a drive uh, for the amount of time that we had uh, set aside. We wanted to really take our time, but that was really, really amazing. I'm sure that would be, you could do a whole hour's worth of kind of um, what we learned on our travels in the last, you know, five months or so, because they were very, very influential. And I see myself thinking differently about my life here in Richardson because of those that week, that, you know, 10 days or whatever. How long were you uh, in Israel? I mean, it was... uh... I think nine days. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's we did. Yeah. We did nine days as well. Maybe ten days altogether, but nine days right. traveling. So, um, really cool things. I'm sure some of these things will probably 
come back up in the conversation uh, as we go on. Um, anything else before we move on? Anything that's uh, what about this is something that we talk about often. And I we, this is not on our notes or anything like that. But something that we consistently talk about in the office, regardless of whether we're doing the podcast or not, is usually some sort of entertainment, whether it's movies or television or music or sports. Um, what's what's been kind of uh, catching your attention recently? Uh, I I would be tempted to maybe ask the question: What have you been listening to? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been fill in the blank? Gotcha. So yeah, one thing that uh, I recently caught up with, uh, The Good Place, which is a TV show. Oh, same. Yeah. So I had watched the first couple of seasons and then somewhere in the middle of season three, I kind of just, it kind of, to me, stalled a little bit. And so I quit watching it and uh, saw this year, this season is the last season. So I was like, no, I like the show. Yeah. And so I got through a few episodes just kind of until it picked back up again, uh, in my opinion. And so, uh, and then, so I, in fact, last night called up uh, to where the, the current shows are. So the next new show, I believe, is Thursday. And I think so it's I, Thursday, So yeah. I'm caught up with that, which I, I just like the whole concept of of uh, they're trying to figure out the show is, what does it mean to be good? You know, is a big question of the show. And where they are now is um, basically if you're trying to be good, that's a good that's a good place to be. And which is interesting to kind of, with all the history of philosophy and thought, to kind of get to a place of, just trying to be good is, is, is where the measuring stick is currently. Don't know how it's going to end, but I'm definitely intrigued. And if you watch the show, one of the most frustrating things to me is, is how the Good Place people committee are portrayed. Oh, it drives me insane. They're terrible. I'm, yeah. We've never talked about this, but yes. we, Michaela and I, it frustrates like. I'm trying to figure out. Those who don't watch it are gonna know nothing, so we're not gonna stay. So just on this fast for too forward long. for like thirty seconds. Yeah. But like, what? What's the joke there? Like, what are they? Like, I get that it, they're annoying and they're kind of like funny because they can't get anything done because they're trying to be too nice. But I'm right. like, how does that? I, it's almost like the joke's not landing for me. I wonder if it's because of our outlook on what we feel like good place people would be and how they would act. Sure. Part of me thinks that this good is place good. being like heavenly type people, those who run heaven or whatever. Right. And there, so I have a couple of thoughts. One, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's some big reveal where they're not actually good people. They're like somehow how demons pretending to be good people. Cause that's a big thing in the show yeah. is, Oh, that's not who you thought it was for five episodes. And so another thought though I have is this critique of, what our culture or even churches lift up as good. Sometimes we we think if as long as we're nice, we're being good, but so, sometimes being nice even perpetuates the problem. Yeah. Uh, this whole idea of... And, and so you'll see, for instance, when uh, Simone is talking about, you know, it's it's not enough just to forgive. Sometimes you have to call people out on, on their sin or their bad choices so they can grow and learn. And so I think on some level, maybe it's critiquing what is lifted up is good, but I'm probably going to deep. I tend to do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's no, uh, we've been watching that as well. Um, I'll do, I'll do one TV plug for me. And then there's, there's, I give you a hard time about what movies we're watching. And there's always a, you know, conversation of whether you have spent the time to go see the movie that you should have, or if you right. appreciate the movie, the way you were supposed to things like this. Um, but I recently just finished um, crashing which is an uh, HBO show about, um, it's based off a true story of a Christian college grad who becomes a comedian 
and does comedy and um, gets married in his 20s and um, ends up his wife uh, cheats on him in the first episode. And it's about how he grows his comedy career as a person who is, you know, who's trying to be Christian, but is also like really frustrated with his faith because it somehow led to a uh, marriage that was, you know, destroyed. And anyway, it's very, very funny and has some really funny things to say about um, a Christian trying to interact in a world that is very unchristian and how do they navigate those things. And of course, you know, there's the character goes up and down between whether the person is um, trying to live into their faith or whether they're rejecting their faith or doubting their faith. And uh, it ends after three seasons. It ended this last year and has a really kind of beautiful ending. Um, and so really hmm. enjoyed that. It's um, Well, I should catch back up. It's another, I have a pattern of, uh, I have a little bit of ADD when it comes to shows. Yeah. So I watched the first season and then I watched the f- part of the first episode of the second season. And I said, I'm out. I just got tired of it. And so in, in fact, actually I learned that there's no such thing as ADD anymore. It used to be ADD or ADHD. Now it's just all ADHD. Really? Uh, there's a recent, in the medical community, that's what I've been told. And so, um, so you're either ADHD or you're just pretending. And so, uh, but anyway, that's just a sidebar. I'll have to catch back up on crashing. Yeah, you do. Because uh, I like the concept of the show. And, and the first season had a lot of, I, I thought, good conversations about God and theology and philosophy and in the world where you don't think those conversations would be taking place. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Judd Apatow, which is a big name in the comedy world. I don't know if our listeners would recognize the name, but like, you know, is the kind of the guy that is behind some of those really big blockbuster comedy movies. So like um, Bridesmaids, uh, I think is a Judd Apatow movie. Is that right? Is it? I thought so. I don't know. I thought it was... I didn't think he was behind that one, but we'll what have to check that out later. Judd Apatow, forty-year-old virgin. I think he, yeah, he, I think he did that one. Yeah, it's just these big, right? These big comedy films that maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't seen, but definitely knocked uh, up. I think he was behind that one, wasn't he? Probably just yeah. these, you know, kind of like every three years or so, a Judd Apatow right. movie comes out, and people usually watch it right. and go crazy about it. So anyway, big guy, and he teams up with this creator who uh, has this show about being a Christian comedian going through a broken marriage. And it's just really fascinating. Pete Holmes, by the way, is the comedian. Yeah, Pete Holmes is a real guy. Um, you can look him up. and He's a guy, I, I like him. I want to like his comedy, but I just don't. So, <laughs> but anyway. The show is good, and it's yeah. worth watching. Okay. So it's also very reminiscent of um, uh, The Big Sick, which is a right. which is a uh, favorite of yours, I believe. Yes, uh, it is. Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, going through... Um, tragedy within a love life uh, and also intercultural relationships and comedy. It's just really, that's a really great movie. And that's a Judd Apatow. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Produced movie. He did produce that. Yeah. All right. We're coming, we're coming back together. Anyway, um, that was just a, again, if you, I wish I might go back and tell you at the very beginning of this podcast, just fast forward 10 minutes if you don't care about what we've been doing the last few months. But I feel like for those of you who are deciding to tune in, um, you may be wondering what we've been up to in the last, uh, you know, several, several weeks. So that's what we've been doing. But I want to talk now and shift gears into what are we doing here right now? Why have we decided to plug the mic back in and talk? And what does the future of this podcast look like? If we've been gone for so long and maybe some of you didn't even miss it. Then what's the point of going forward? So I'm going to pose this question to you, 
Drew, and then I'll, we've had this discussion for a long time now. But what do you think is um, the purpose of this podcast um, moving forward? The purpose in the past was as a way for our um, really volunteer leaders in a lot of ways to, to learn about what was happening on a Sunday morning and to uh, dwell with the text a little bit longer, hear from different perspectives on the text as those of us who are um, putting together these questions for table conversations and things like that. And it's been absent for a while, and even our Sunday mornings have slightly changed on what we do with uh, those table conversations. So if, um, if that continues to, to adapt and change as we try to do at this church always, we're always trying to, to, to grow and to um, find new ways to, to uh, interact with our people and interact with the community, What's, where does this podcast land in that world? Uh, there's a couple different places. One, I think it's always good to give uh, our people a chance to spend more time with the story uh, and kind of hear why uh, some, you know, not everything kind of makes the cut, so to speak, whenever you get to Sunday as far as either the teaching time or in the um, breakout uh, part of the day as well. But uh, just more thought behind the story and, and give it more space, I guess, to, to kind of shape us and speak to us. But also I think it's a good forum, podcasting is, to have different voices come on and interact with the story or share their story. And so uh, there's some possibilities there. And I think uh, there used to be a show, I mean, maybe still beyond, but uh, behind the music, you kind of got a closer look at maybe a, an artist or a group and kind of go behind the music and kind of know their story. And so I think kind of going behind uh, the curtain, behind the music, so to speak, week to week and what's going on, you know, uh, in the absence of information, a lot of people, a lot of us kind of got a worst case scenario. And so it's just another way to communicate and share what's going on and, and why we're doing certain things. I think, um, and there's thought put into it and there's concern and care and uh, it's all a part of uh, everything that we do. And so this is a forum to be able to share some of that with everybody. I will say um, a reference to behind the music is definitely not going to land with a certain age demographic. I'm pretty sure. Because yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I'm like, we need the Google when, when they stop. There's no way they've done that in the last What about decade? Uh, yeah. So what would be a equivalent of that? That, that I mean, it's is just still like, ongoing. I don't know. I feel like it would be like, um, this isn't exactly what you mean, but we talk about this being kind of like the director's cut version of a Sunday morning. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's, That's good. but like, and then I would reference like but special my, features on Blu-rays, but then no one, yeah, no one actually no gets one does the disc that. anymore yeah. as well. You know, you also have, this is another reference that most people won't get, but inside the actor studio with James Lipton, when he would spend like an I hour, no with, idea what he would spend about. an hour with an actor or actress kind of talking about their life and their work and um, kind of, it's that kind of thing or a podcast. I mean, podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Referencing that's a podcast to find a podcast is kind of weird, but that's just what podcasts are. It's kind of go spend more time with someone. I know that one of our favorite podcasts is Conan Needs a Friend, yeah. and he often sh- share in that. It just to be able to sit down with someone uh, and have a conversation for an hour or so is so rare these days because most of the the you know the television produced segments are you know five minute conversations here. Five minute conversations there, and I think that applies to church as well. We get these small kind of you know pockets of uh, focused uh, time and, and conversation, but to be able to sit down for an hour and uh, and go behind the scenes, so to speak, on a story yeah. or what's happening in our church. 
No, that's that's good. And oh, we're sitting at a, a glass table, which is probably not the smartest idea for what um, we're doing. But I kind of like that I'm on edge at all times. Yes. Um, your uh, comparison to um, the, a podcast like Conan Needs a Friend, he calls it a scam, right? It's like right. A, it's just a way to get people to sit down and talk a little bit longer. Right. And maybe that is um, all we need sometimes. And so. Um, I don't know. Again, we, the, the future of the podcast is, is fairly still up in the air. We just know that there is still value to be had um, from voices to just time length to uh, a variety of um, topics that could be approached through this medium, things like that. But right now, we've decided not to go back to um, what's happening on this upcoming Sunday morning. Uh, we decided to go a different direction, and you are, whether you realize it or not, listening to the very first episode of the first ever Considerable Thought holiday special. This is a four-part mini-series about the holidays that are coming up here in the next few weeks, and so it's going to be a four-part special, um, and you're listening to part one, which is all about the the most upcoming, most upcoming, the the... The, the nearest on the calendar. The, the nearest, yeah, the nearest. The uh, first holiday. The, the first upcoming. That's what I want to say. First upcoming. I, I don't know. There's, Either way, we're very, please, very, we're very. If close. you know the right way to say this, just come tell us. Very close next time, yeah. to Thanksgiving, uh, and so we wanted to do this. Uh, the next. Episode. Yeah, I guess I wanted to sound better. Okay. Like I wanted to be smarter. I wanted to sound better for the mic. Okay. Either way, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and so part one. You wanted to sound more smarter. Yeah, I wanted to sound more smarter. Yeah. Uh, it's Thanksgiving, and so this is going to be all about Thanksgiving. But then parts um, two, three, and four will continue with the holiday season and talk about a few other things. If you're like me, you're like, how do you ever get to four? Because I know that there's Thanksgiving. I know Christmas is coming up. And then if you're one of those people that likes New Year's, like me, you would include New Year's in that as well. So, Drew, what's, uh, what are we missing here when we talk about these, the holiday special? The answer is not Black Friday. We're not going to spend some time talking about that. But We actually are going to talk about it a little We'll talk today. about it, but not right. on its own. Yeah. And so, uh, but the missing uh, holiday, or it really season, is Advent. And our, as a church, we spend time in, with Advent uh, preparing for Christ's uh, coming. I mean, it helps us. Learn and remember how to how to anticipate, how to wait, because Christ will come again. And so, uh, it's it's celebrating the arrival of Christ and remembering that we're orienting our lives toward uh, His second coming. And so, uh, that's that's the one we don't often think about as the holidays and the near future. Yeah, and, and Advent always has like a start date as well. And so, we're going to try to make sure that all of these uh, special segments will come around the time that we are thinking about those things. And so. Uh, we're releasing this one now because uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, the schools around the Dallas area are getting out for that, and people will be traveling, and there'll be road trips that'll be had, or maybe um, mass cleaning of houses and preparing and cooking. And so maybe this will be just a fun thing to throw on in the background as you do this. And Nothing to better it. to do while you do something else. That's Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to take over the, the Thanksgiving episode. I've actually worked to put together an outline for what some of the things that I wanted to talk about today with Drew, and then Drew will take over the, the Advent Christmas season, and then we'll bring it home with New Year's, which is one of my favorite uh, holidays as well, and talk about uh, the past year at our church and looking forward to what the future of this church, this podcast, uh, all things Care Church looks like. So does that sound good to you, Drew? Let's go for it. 
All right, so we're going to start with uh, Thanksgiving, and I thought it would be fun to talk about the history of Thanksgiving, just for a little bit. I am uneducated when it comes to the history of Thanksgiving. It's something that I've always celebrated. For I feel like for most listeners, it's the same way. We know when it is. We know what we should be doing. We know what people do. Um, but as far as the origins of it, maybe we are a little bit shaky on. Maybe the only thing we know about it is those kind of the classic Thanksgiving pageants. Is that what they'd be called? Are they called Thanksgiving reenactments? Probably. It's when, yeah. you know, the kids make the paper hats and, you know, the crafts and then they go and tell the story of the very first Thanksgiving. Did you ever participate in one of these? I'm sure I did, but I have no memory of it. I have no memories basically before college. So What? Uh, it's just exaggerating. It's just the, <laughs> <laughs> But I don't remember much uh, from my growing up years, which probably... Uh, doesn't make my mom too happy. But. Yeah, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, So, uh, uh, but I'm sure at some point in a school somewhere I did it. But Yeah, I'm sure I have as well, but I don't, like, I feel like there's some things that people do. Like, we'll take the nativity as, as an example, right? Another holiday we'll talk about in the future. But I feel like that story stuck, and maybe that's just because it's a church story and, and you know, I grew up going to church. The Thanksgiving story never stuck, and I don't know if it stuck for anybody. It's probably good because the way it was told isn't exactly... <laughs> hey, okay, you're skipping oh, okay, ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're skipping ahead. Okay. So let's start with the history of, of Thanksgiving, um, a historical perspective at least. And I'm just going to be very honest. Uh, this all comes straight from the Wikipedia page. So if you want to um, double check me, you know, where to find, you know where to find my sources. Um, they're from Wikipedia. Um, and you can go edit the source. <laughs> Okay, well, we're not going to get into academic honesty or dishonesty okay, okay, here. Okay. But wait, actually we are. Wikipedia has to be at least kind of reliable. Yes, everyone. It has I, to be. Because no, one, no yeah. one is going around trolling Wikipedia pages. Yes, on, they are. Just just for the heck of it? Yes, yes. I don't have any examples first and re- firsthand. No, people, but don't, people want others to be educated, I feel like. Yes. I feel like that's there are, we want the right thing on... But there are examples of when it, it wasn't exactly accurate. But they usually catch it and, and get rid of the inaccuracies. So yeah. highly political, highly the religious things, I could see people intentionally messing with it. But like something like... I, look, I use Wikipedia always for like my favorite movies, my favorite bands, even just people in general... I feel like that's that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I'm not I mean, writing a dissertation on it. I'm just right and, referencing it in a podcast that five people listen to. Sure, and uh, I use Wikipedia. Usually, try to double check and confirm it from other places. But yeah, in a quick moment when you need some information, Wikipedia's there. All right, thank you. Wikipedia, send us money. Um, so the first Thanksgiving. Uh, according to my research, was held on 1621, and it was between the Plymouth Separatists and the um, so-called Indians, so the Native Americans. Um, and it really was a harvest festival, and which makes sense because around town you see people talking about, uh, you know, uh, what's the word that we use at the church? Oh, we use fall festivals, but like harvest celebrations or the harvest season, or right. it just makes sense. We're not in an agricultural society here in Dallas, but we still use these terms. But back in the 1600s, that's what they were celebrating. The crops were um, at uh, a time of harvest, and when the ha- harvest is bountiful and lots of the crops looked really good, 
they wanted to give thanks uh, to God for providing for them. And over time, it kind of uh, morphs into also, oh, not only have you delivered us crops, but you've also delivered us safety. You've also delivered us victory over our enemies, whoever those enemies would be. Um, It just kind of gradually became a broader term. Instead of just Thanksgiving for crops, it was a Thanksgiving for really everything. But that very first Thanksgiving is what we usually talk about when we say what was the origin of that of this holiday. And again, my very half-hearted uh, research would tell me that it was uh, this meal that was between um, the Plymouth separatists in this area, um, so white colonists, um, between uh, the Native Americans. And actually, from what I read from an account by, his name was Edward Winslow, he wrote an account of what that day was like in a diary or a journal that was then published. And um, it was just a handful of Native Americans who were there, and then they decided to get everyone together, and then they invited more people to come and join that meal. And actually, according to his account, the Native Americans almost doubled um, the amount of separatists that were at that meal, which is just a cool thing for, for me to think about because I'm always thinking, all right, it's this big, you know, uh, you know Puritan-type feel, which I also read don't, they weren't Puritans, but this is kind of how I'm feeling. Um, this long table, and then there was a scatter, scattering of Native Americans who were blessed, quote unquote, to be brought into this table and to take part in it. Um, but instead, it was actually um, a majority of Native Americans. And there's even this account where it says um, the uh, separatists went and provided all of the birds. So like, uh, I think it said, like they sent out a few people that morning to go and kill as many birds as possible and bring them back for this great Thanksgiving feast. And the Native Americans who were there and who wanted to participate were like, okay, and we'll go hunt for the big game. And so it's funny that you have a majority Native Americans at the table and they brought like deer (laughs) to the, and then you have the um, separatists who have, way less people at this table and they brought the birds, which is why we continue to have Turkey for Thanksgiving year after year after year. So that's my quick understanding of what that day was like, which is very different than I had imagined it um, in my mind. But then it becomes this kind of con, uh, this ongoing conversation in America, which is, okay, how do we recognize not only that event, but the spirit of that event, which is a thanksgiving to God for the things that he's blessed us with. And so president after president decides, okay, now this day in November is Thanksgiving. Uh, actually, we're going to change it to not, it's not going to be, what is it right now? The third Thursday? Fourth? Fourth. Fourth Thursday? Yeah. Anyway, sometimes it would be like the, you know, the last Thursday of the month, which I don't think it always lands that way, correct? I don't know. I thought it did, but I could be wrong. Either way, I just yeah. read up that I felt like presidents were constantly fighting back and forth. Yeah, there was When would some... be the right time right. to celebrate this? And then you have traditions that kind of get into place. The one I wrote down here that I thought was really funny is um, the pardoning of the turkey is a really big deal at the White House, right? I don't know if they show one or two or two or three turkeys. I think they, I mean, there's the pardoning of the turkey, but I think there's two turkeys is for it some two? reason. Well, yeah, they because have, they choose because which they have one to two names. Well, no, they. It's a weird the whole the whole president party in Turkey is one of the weirdest traditions. Well, that's what, and that's what I wanted yeah. to talk about right, here right, is right. apparently, according to some people, it start Wikipedia. 
it started with JFK casually saying, um, they like, I'm not going to eat that turkey. Like, uh, you can let him go. I'm not going to eat it. Because before, Truman actually talked about a turkey. I actually saw that you were going to do this. And so, I like. So, you you double checked it? No, I just read other stuff. And so, Truman said something about uh, he was gifted a turkey, but he actually ate the turkey that he supposedly pardoned. And so, that's interesting. So, Bill Clinton actually confused people. He said it started with Truman, but it really started with JFK. And Truman did, something started with Truman, but Truman didn't actually save the turkey. He ate the turkey that was gifted to him. The idea was yeah. that JFK was gifted a turkey and he was like, you can let it go anyway. I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And, and then they were Lincoln, like, oh, let's, let's do that. So you know? Lincoln actually did something similar, but it was a Christmas turkey. His son. Yes, I, re- I read about his that. Son, but we're not, this isn't the Christmas podcast, Drew, so right. I didn't bring it up. But he's the first one to part a turkey. Go back to you. Anyway, so uh, what's funny is uh, they, I kept reading about when the turkey is pardoned. Um, they don't, they die within the year just because they're bred horribly to just maximize size. And they're just not, we've done terrible things to turkeys. So, um, but it's just funny that even though they're pardoned, their life is very short just so they could have stood on that, that, you know, that table. Such a strange tradition. And the the TV show Veep is my favorite uh, pardoning of a turkey because. Don't, I haven't seen the episode. Oh, anyway. Well, it's just a small thing, but anyway, that's my favorite. You can say it, just say it. No, she just pardons him because, uh, and she says for for tax evasion. I just think it's funny that <laughs> that uh, there's given a reason to the pardon or what he's being pardoned from. <laughs> That's funny. So anyway, that is good. Um, so you have that tradition. You also have the tradition of um, Thanksgiving Day parades, and um, I thought it was funny. We all know the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. That's something that at least in my household was always put on on Thanksgiving. Again, it was background music, back, background noise. Um, but what's funny is that the oldest parade, um, the very first uh, Thanksgiving Day parade, was actually in Philadelphia, not New York, and it was hosted by Gimbel's, and, which was a competitor of Macy's. And so I just think that's funny. But you know, Gimbel's is long gone, and Macy's still uh, is still running strong. So um, I just thought it was funny that kind of uh, department store rivalry for the Thanksgiving space. Like what? Anyway, I that that was interesting, but. Still, people don't know about the Philadelphia um, Parade, and lots of people, including myself, don't know about the Detroit Parade that happens every year. That is just as old as the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, still goes on, but just doesn't have the press um, as it used to. So then I was like, oh, that's really cool that Detroit has this thing, and then uh, that put me down the rabbit hole of football on Thanksgiving, which is also a really big tradition. Because the Cowboys and Lions both play. That's correct, yeah. So the Cowboys... This is or this is what I wanted to bring up. The Cowboys copied the Lions for the Thanksgiving Day game. So because the parade in Detroit was a big deal for many, many years, then the Lions would play on Thanksgiving Day as like a culmination of Detroit Thanksgiving. Um, and then they just said, let's how unfair is it that only, you know, the away team or one team or whatever gets to play on Thanksgiving? Let's open up Thanksgiving games to be a bigger deal. And the Cowboys are like, well, we want that space too. And so now the Cowboys play every Thanksgiving. And I don't, sometimes they have played one another. I don't know if they've ever played each other, but that maybe, but, uh, but I didn't okay. know the Lions game was first. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So take it Cowboys. Yeah. I'm a, for those who are wondering, I'm, a, I'm a, for whatever reason, I'm a Lions fan. It's Just not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Long story. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I wanted to bring up because it has to do with um, the things that we eat 
Uh, again, turkey is because that first um, Thanksgiving meal, uh, the separatists went and, and killed birds and served them for that Thanksgiving feast. Um, but for me, I always think about green bean casserole. And uh, I read that it was invented in 1955. Hmm. So I'm just uh, thankful that uh, I was born post-1955. I'm glad it's your favorite because I think that's a travesty. But You anyway. don't like it? Green, green bean casserole? The second you put green beans in a casserole, you ruin the casserole. That's just my take. But So you don't like green beans? Right. You're also kind of a picky eater, though. Um, I would take the word kind of out of that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so green bean casserole is like my grandma's staple. And... Um, Anyway, it's it's so good, and um, everywhere else that serves it, it's just never you know quite like uh, the one that uh, we call our grandmommy, the one that grandmommy would make. So um, that's a quick historical thing. Do you have anything to add before I move on to your favorite part of this, which is going to be the well, controversy? One thing is, I think that, and one of the reasons I'm just in recent years, there's a lot of conversation about Thanksgiving and, and other things. But the Native Americans did uh, enable the settlers to survive. And uh, they wouldn't have made it without the help of Native Americans. And the favor was returned basically through a history of uh, wiping out the Native Americans, forcing them to move. I think this is true, but uh, America has never kept a treaty they've made with Native Americans. They've always broken it, said, never mind, we're now going to move you here, those kinds of things. But in that first story, Native Americans enabled the settlers to survive. And a lot of the death that came Native Americans wasn't always warfare. A lot of it was just the diseases we brought from Europe. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Wright wrote a great book on the history of plagues. And, uh, and plagues played a huge role in the wiping out of Native Americans. And so, mm-hmm. um, But in the midst of all of that, uh, even the, as that's going on, I just think that's an important part of the story is uh, Native Americans uh, enabled the settlers to survive. Yeah, and I had read that the connection between that first feast and those that were in attendance was actually one Native American man who had survived the plague and who had created a relationship with whatever that settlement was in Plymouth yes. and acted as a um, mentor to how to survive in that land right. and also a um, translator for those who were still yeah. in the area and other places. And I think, I don't remember his name either, but he did establish treaties with other Native mm-hmm. American tribes on behalf of the settlers. And I think smallpox was that first plague sure. that they brought over that wiped out a lot. Yeah. But anyway, that feast doesn't happen without the uh, ambassadorship of that uh, Native American man, whatever his name was. Um, we'll, have to, we'll have to look it up. That's a shame. That yeah, I'm right going to look it up, and then I'll never forget again because I need to know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, another thing with uh, the history of Thanksgiving has to do with the controversy that surrounds it. And, Drew, you already mentioned a few things that you know we really kind of um, just gloss over when we talk about that, that story that— we always say is heartfelt, and maybe that moment was heartfelt, um, but it's surrounded by um, really some violence and some uh, you know dishonesty and things like that. And so, still um, today, Native Americans will um, boycott uh, Thanksgiving and proclaim it as a day of mourning because uh, even though we like to um, put it as this symbol of um, unity. Uh, those who grew up in this uh, nation, who are natives of this country, um, it's still something that they they will continue to feel like we still need to grieve and mourn the injustice that's been done um, to their people over the years. And so that's a big thing. And, and I think today there's more people aware of that than there has been 
prior. And so that's a, that's a good thing, but there's still people who are that way. Um, there's also others who um, are um, anti-religious. So the atheist community um, is sometimes against Thanksgiving because really Thanksgiving is built upon a um, thankfulness for God. Um, if you looked at the original um, Edward Winslow's like journal, it's like, no, we were doing a harvest festival because the crops that we were able to harvest was a blessing from God. Our safety was a blessing from God. And so Thanksgiving is very Christian. Um, and so those uh, in the country who um, have been kind of shown that this is what we celebrate as a country, they're like, um, can we, you know, de-Christianize this? And so there's a controversy about how religious Thanksgiving is as a holiday. And it really is inherently religious. And then um, there are those people who are kind of um, against the amount of animal cruelty that happens and the type of mass production and mass consumerism that actually happens for Thanksgiving. So we talk about this in Christmas a lot, right? This The Black Friday type thing. Well, that happens a day early with food consumption um, for Thanksgiving. So there's some controversy around that as well. I will say, though, that within all the controversy and even those people groups who are maybe anti the religious um, uh, ancestry of the of the holiday and those who are um, still tr- still mourning the uh, treatment of Native Americans, there are people who still really support Thanksgiving as a um, moment in our year where we all pause and we say, thank you for the things that we have. And so I read a quote from, from some uh, Native American activist that said, you know, Thanksgiving at its core is very Native American. Like the idea of looking at the land and being thankful for it and then taking care of it and continuing to um, cultivate it throughout the year is incredibly Native American. So there's some people who, um, they don't move past the morning, but they're able to see um, alongside of it something that's really, uh, really powerful. Yeah, there's a principle and virtue there that's important and gratitude and being thankful. Yeah, yeah. What, anything else? Did I miss a controversy on uh, you covered a, You covered good, and we've done, a, I think, a good job of depressing everyone about the upcoming uh, holiday of Thanksgiving and, I think, informing them. Which yeah, that's, I, what, that's I, what this is about. I, I it's joke, a holiday special. I joke, but it's good to, to bring some perspective and fullness to the holiday and then end on a note of the importance of, of giving thanks. Absolutely. And I actually wanted to end this historical portion before you, you're going to jump in and talk about kind of Thanksgiving's role in the church and in the Christian faith. I want to talk about our family traditions. Uh, What does the history of Thanksgiving look like in your family and in my family? So first I'll ask this, where does Thanksgiving rank in your holidays? We might have talked about this last year on the podcast, but where does it kind of rank for you? I would place it second. Uh, wow, it's high. Yeah, um, just because I appreciate holidays that create space in the calendar for downtime with family and friends. And so uh, Christmas would be first and then Thanksgiving second because there's just, there's very few places where uh, even cultural culture in the world kind of allows there to be a break from everything else that's going on. And so uh, I, I do like it for that reason. Where, where does it rank for you? So it is not high up there. It's um, it's fairly low. It's definitely not, yeah, I mean, it's near the bottom. I'm well, trying to think well, of what least, I don't. I'm uh, trying to think of it a holiday I don't. like. New Year's is above it. Halloween's above it. Christmas above they're it. They're all above it, yeah. yeah. Easter's above it. Um, 
Flag Day? Flag Day is like, it's close, okay. you know? Um, yeah, it's probably along the same lines as like um, those kind of holidays that we don't do anything big events oriented. Um, okay. Oh, I probably like it more than the 4th of July. Okay. That says something. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. It's pretty, but it's actually pretty close to the 4th of July. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why. Let me tell you some of my traditions. And if my mom was listening to this, which she might, she might be upset with me because I think my mom really likes Thanksgiving. Um, for me, it was too much just traveling and eating. That's just like all we did. And I'll say that to people and I can even maybe even see it on your face where you're like, that sounds like a blast. <laughs> right. No, um, I agree. There's, it can be too much of that though. And I'm just like, really, I'm like, I'm eating now, but then I can't eat too much because I have to eat later. I'm just like always thinking about food, but not who's at my table. Like, I'm just always just like, all right, now, Jaren, pack up. We got to go eat somewhere else. I'm like, what are we having? You know what we're having. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And it's all like, I feel like it's all family members trying to do the right thing for the holiday. And so that's another thing that just really, you know, I never really liked, which is like, we're, we got to make this perfect, right? It has to be exactly like this. We have to make sure the turkey's great. We have to make sure the house is clean. I'm like, you're just having family over. Like, who are we trying to impress here? You know? And anyway, I just was never excited about uh, Thanksgiving. And some people's experience is very different, um, but that's just mine. I do want to mention some of the really uh, positive things from my, you know, growing up Thanksgiving. Actually, this is kind of in the middle. My mom uh, at one point got this bowl. Uh, my brother calls it the, the rock bowl and because it's just a bowl full of rocks. And it's, a thank, it's like a thank you bowl. And she, I don't know where she got it, but I feel like she paid good money for it. Like it's like a fancy, like, like this is supposed to mean something. We're supposed to put it on the middle of the table and take it seriously. But all my brother and I are seeing is just the, this bowl of rocks that we put in the middle. And so we we're supposed to grab a rock and say something we're thankful for and then put it in the bowl. And that's the that's the tradition. And my brother still to this day can't take it seriously. And so that makes it's hard for me to take it seriously. And then right. um, it's just and like, I, like the, I like the concept of, of attaching something physical that you're holding to the giving of thanks, but I get where you're coming from. It's just not, yeah. it doesn't work for yeah. us. And it, it doesn't feel like our family. So I think that's the other thing. It's just, it just didn't feel authentic to who we are. There's some families where that would feel right at home in right. the things that they do. But for us, it was like, okay, mom, stop forcing it. Like we're thankful. It feels forced. We're, we're thankful, yeah. whatever. Um, but some really good things is uh, my brother and I play fantasy football. And so football, um, at Thanksgiving is really fun for us because the Lions are playing, which I enjoy watching, and then the Cowboys are playing, which we usually enjoy making fun of. Um, but I mean, they're doing pretty good, so maybe not this year. Um, and they just beat the Lions, actually. I so. know. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's always good. And then um, Black Friday is something that we have a tradition in our family of. I don't know how long we've been doing it, but I love going to like Walmart or Target with my mom and my brother and my dad, whoever wants to come and just, we're not looking for anything. We just go in and just embrace the chaos. And it's just, there's just something fascinating about it to me. Yeah. It's incredibly, you know, American and 
kind of funny. And so to just and go really in. weird and strange. I've been out a few times and it's just the energy is just, it, yeah, I agree. Chaos is a good word. Yeah. And so like, you're just, you're like, it's almost like you're in a, you're at the front row of a concert and people are just pushing you and you're just in this wave of people. Anyway, it's just fun. We usually don't buy anything because the line is ridiculous. It's yeah. not worth it. Um, I'd pay $20 more to not stand in that line, you know? Which is what I do when I go a week later. Right, exactly. <laughs> and buy the same thing. So, yeah. anyway, enough about me. That's what my Thanksgiving was like. Uh, what about you? What's your family traditions for Thanksgiving? Yeah, just a few. A few I'll mention. Uh, growing up, we always traveled uh, to my grandmother's house. My mom's mom uh, is where we always had Thanksgiving, and uh, this big meal. And my granddad would always tell this joke. I never really got. It was always a joke about what pie. Uh, are you having? And he would say, tater, of course. And everyone would laugh <laughs> but me. And the punchline was tater, of course, like sweet potato pie. But I'm like, first of all, I hate the word tater. It's one of my least favorite words in all of... Tater? Yes, that word. Just I can't... I, I hate that word. Like, I, don't, I occasionally have to say it because if I ever eat a tater tot, for instance, or yeah, something... Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I, I just don't like the word. But you can say tots. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, I never got <laughs> the joke, but it's still told in his like honor. And it's like... And it's now it's just kind of funny because I, I, I just don't get it at all. So uh, there's that, and he also what is the, what's the what is the what what's pie, funny about it? He would it? just say, "What pie are you serving?" And he would say, "Tater, of course," and everyone would laugh. But we, you still don't know what it, what's funny about it. No, and I've asked, and I, the explanations do not help. So anyway, uh, that's one thing. Another is he would my granddad would also say the shortest prayer in history. Every year we get shorter and shorter. Wow. Um, his philosophy on praying before meals was. Um, you just, you get in and get out. You, you give thanks and you get to the food. That's what everybody's here for. And if you're, he did he always felt like long prayers at tables, or you're holding people hostage um, on some level. And so there's, there's a, and, there's a, a and, hint of truth in that. Yes. And so I have adopted that philosophy to some degree. Yeah. Uh, obviously not as quick as he may be with prayers, but I do think there's something to it. Uh, don't kind of use that, that moment to hold people hostage to kind of say a bunch of stuff. But anyway, that's a couple things I remember. Uh, and then there's always football played. Usually it starts off as tag and then it becomes tackle, um, <laughs> uh, as the day goes on. And then grow, you know, with our kids growing up, uh, we, there's a, uh, to me again, it's just downtime with, especially as our kids get older and older, they're doing more and more things to have just a break in the calendar to have downtime together is big. And, uh, I know we've tried to invite other people over through the years and we live, when we were living in Georgia, we had a. A neighbor who was, uh, they had a son Tyler's age. They had moved here from Vietnam. And his, uh, he, he went by Fu was his name. And so uh, the reason is his, his name was spelled P-H-U-C. And if you pronounce that phonetically, that's just, that's not a good name to have in America. It's not good for and this so, podcast, that's for sure. Exactly. And so he just said, my name's Fu. And so uh, we invited him over for Thanksgiving one year. And, um, and he came over dressed in a, like a suit. And like he took it very seriously and was very honored. Yeah. And we were just wearing like you know just you know I don't know sweatpants or something I don't know. Yeah. And uh, but anyway I just uh, I remember that's a memory I have uh, and I I do like the idea of expanding and, and including other people. I think that's um, that's a big thing. Uh, it's needed more today from from I just talk, talk about our family. Yeah. Um, but now it's just again it's just a good time. We usually end up ending the day by going to a movie. And uh, oh yeah, and so that's that's a fun tradition we have. I guess we also started doing that a little bit near the end of my childhood is going to movies because usually they have really big 
kind of right. They want it to be a family thing to do on Thanksgiving. I think this year, uh, although I don't think we'll see it. I think Frozen Two comes out uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Oh yeah, I'm not. but I'm not. It's not something on my calendar. I just, yeah. I just think that there's probably out. something else. There has to be something else, or yeah. maybe that if there's not, this is the year the tradition ends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I want to transition into. Um, Kind of, what does Thanksgiving um, mean for the people of God? Um, we, ju- you know, we spent a lot of time talking about what it means for America and um, even just for us personally. But um, this is a podcast that we hope people at our church listen to. And so, when those at Care Church and any other Christians that are listening to this, or those who are um, interested in Christianity, what has uh, what does Thanksgiving mean, or what should it mean? Um, to those um, who are part of the faith and maybe by looking at um, Israel and Jesus and the church, what can we learn about um, how they viewed quote unquote Thanksgiving over the years? Yeah. Giving thanks or gratitude, you know, just this, this idea and principle of, of saying, thank you. It's so foundational to faith. And uh, as you kind of just look back at the history of the people of God and, and where gratitude shows up, it's, it's very instructive um, we just, as a church, I mentioned this earlier, we went through the book Exodus, and and Exodus is the story of God liberating God's people. Um, it's really the creation of a people. You know, Genesis, he creates everything. He creates uh, people and humans and, and birds and fish and everything, but in Exodus, he creates a people that are his people, uh, a nation that's his nation that's meant to tell the whole earth, uh, you know, show the whole earth who God is. And so, uh, and as they come through this exodus from Egypt through the Red Sea, Exodus 15 has this first song. Um, and so I think song and music is, is an, it does a lot of things, but one of the driving forces of singing and music is gratitude. There's a lot of other reasons, lament, uh, telling stories, a lot of, a lot of reasons connected to singing, but, uh, but one of them is giving thanks um, and giving thanks to God for, for liberating and saving and then as you go through the story of Exodus, there's this struggle in the wilderness that we sometimes have a hard time understanding how the people of Israel could be ungrateful or could could grumble and complain about the experience. But when you were in there, if you put yourselves in their place, they were promised a land of milk and honey, and they get a land of uh, hunger and thirst, at least at first. And when we're hungry and thirsty, uh, you know, we, we complain, uh, we grumble. And so uh, that's what was happening. And so the stories in the wilderness remind us um, that every day really is a, is a choice between being grateful or uh, grumbling. Mm. And grumbling leads to uh, deeper and darker sins. It's that gateway sin. And then gratitude leads to brighter and better uh, virtues. It's that gateway virtue. And so you see that very early on in the story of God's people. And then, you know, it just shows up time and time again. You know, just when, when they get to the promised land, you know, don't forget, uh, remember what God has done. And when we're, we actually take the time to be grateful and write down our gratitudes, or say them and pray them, we remember what God has done. And then the Psalms are full of giving of thanks. Even those uh, Psalms of lament um, uh, will often end with even a giving of thanks or praise to who God is. Uh, and, and there's just several other places it shows up, but it's there throughout the, the Hebrew Bible. And then in the life of Jesus, it shows up some key places. Uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, Jesus healing 10 lepers, and they all go away healed, and one of them, which is a Samaritan even, kind of a, another surprise to the story, comes back and says, thank you. Um, and Jesus says, your, your, your faith, you, you know, the fact that you came back and gave thanks, 
uh, has made you well. Mm-hmm. And so he's already been healed, so there's this idea of wellness that is holistic with kind of social, emotional, spiritual, physical well-being. And I just love that story. And then when, whenever the story of the communion or the Lord's Supper is told, um, it's, it's always about breaking bread and giving thanks, taking the cup and giving thanks. In fact, the word Eucharist, which it's referred to in some churches, it comes from the Greek word eucharisteo, mm-hmm. uh, to give thanks. And so uh, the Eucharist, uh, the time around the table, is all about remembering and giving thanks. And that's, that's the ritual that we as a church and churches all over the world orient themselves around, yeah. uh, is, is, is the Lord's table. And so uh, then you see that in the church. They, they, on the first day of the week, they break bread. They give thanks. Um, Paul, in his letters... Uh, he he has a lot of hard things to tell these churches, and he um, often will begin with Thanksgiving. He's what he's thankful for in this church. The right. one time he skips that is uh, Galatians, and really makes you pay attention. He's pretty upset with the the saints in Galatia, but uh, that's the only time he skips that step of expressing gratitude for the people that he's writing to. Mm-hmm. And then throughout his letters, um, you'll find a doxology. You'll just find he'll be writing about something else, then he'll just break into. Thanks be to God. Um, it just overflows. He models this idea. Yeah. And then I love in, in First Thessalonians, I think, uh, chapter 5, 16 through 18 maybe, where it talks about um, uh, praying always, uh, uh, rejoicing always, and then giving thanks in all circumstances. Okay. Um, in all circumstances, that's hard. Uh, yeah. And so it's a spiritual discipline to actually... Uh, stop and give thanks in all circumstances, and so it's a it's a long and deep tradition in Scripture, and then into the early church, um, and then we we do our best to carry it forward today, because um, that's a big part of Scripture. And one more thing in Romans one, uh, as he talks about kind of how we all fall short of God, uh, we all um, uh, need salvation. We we're we're all sinners who fall short. There's this reflection in uh, Romans one where he talks about uh, how this happened. And uh, I'm trying to find the exact wording here. Uh, he says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Um, and so this idea of they didn't stop to give thanks, and so therefore they didn't know, and they, right. they fell away from God. And, and they is a reference really to all of us. And so, uh, but especially people who were outside of Israel this time. Uh, people. So it's like just that foundational habit to give thanks um, is so key. Yeah. I wanted to, I think it, it really sums up everything you've said really well. Especially, I'm thinking about the, the Eucharist, uh, our time of gathering around the Lord's table, our communion time. Um, the thread that you can see throughout Israel, Jesus, and the church when it comes to this celebration of Thanksgiving, as it were, um, is the combination between remembering and giving thanks and they really yeah. do go hand in hand and so a lot of times we'll say oh no when we gather on the table it's a time of remembrance well if you don't transition from a time of remembrance into a time of thanksgiving maybe you're not remembering correctly you know or maybe you're not reflecting enough and that's so good, i just think that's um yeah. i think that's something that you can see throughout scripture is it is a reflection or a remembering of things that have happened and then it moves you into Thanksgiving because you can't be thankful for anything that you didn't remember. And if you're, you know, if you don't remember correctly, you may not actually be thankful uh, moving forward. Uh, and I also think that the Bible as a whole, in a meta type of way, acts as a reflection 
for God's people over time. I mean, I mean, it's just, it is people who are reflecting on things that happened and then through different forms and different mediums and different ways, writing down that reflection that they can then be passed on. And so we give thanks for the Bible because it's people giving thanks for the things that have been happened that, that, have, that have happened in their life. So I just love that connection. I think the Eucharist really uh, encapsulates it well for everything. So. Yeah, that's a good connection between remembering and, and taking the time to give thanks. That's good. So listening to uh, the history of Thanksgiving, both historically in America and when we kind of um, look at our scriptures through the lens of Thanksgiving— we would hope that it would maybe change how we want to behave. Um, maybe the future of how we celebrate Thanksgiving should be impacted by um, the origin of such an event and the way that our faith talks about what this event is also trying to talk about. And so um, I'm going to start with you, Drew. I, I want to just talk a little bit about if we actually take the time and listen to everything that we've talked about today, which we've had a, a little bit longer of a normal podcast just because we're, you know, we're back and we, we're, you know, just having fun with it. But lots of information here and we want to do something with it. What do you think the future of Thanksgiving could or should look like from first an individual level? And then we'll talk about maybe a church level. How should the church respond to Thanksgiving as a holiday. So let's start individually. If you look at all this information, all this story, uh, what does the future of your Thanksgiving celebration look like individually? Yeah, I think, well, I think it's rooted in uh, just the da- the daily habits uh, of, of my life. So, uh, and I would hope, we as a church want to cultivate uh, space for people to spend daily time with God. That's what we want to uh, invite people to and call people to, and so me as a, as an individual, I think just the daily take, taking the time daily to to have express uh, gratitudes. Um, and I don't, I mean, I've turned gratitude into a plural um, here a few times. I don't know grammatically if that's even allowed, but I've done it. And so um, no, I saw the I saw the red underline. On yeah, the, so daily on the gratitudes I, to me, it's important to think about it plural. But um, so anyway, I, I think it's also to take time to write it down. Whenever I've done that as a habit, it's helped me. To remember, um, there's something that happens with our minds when we actually write something out, uh, and, and and to read them and to say them, uh, even the basic stuff. It just reminds us of there's so much that I have to be grateful for. It's so easy for me to focus on the negatives or uh, the resentments that I have, or the you know just those kinds of things. And and we I, we all get caught up in wanting uh, things, maybe a better past, or if something happens that we don't like, uh, you know, we wish that wouldn't have happened. But there's so many. There's so much good, and so just to take the time personally uh, to say this is the key throughout Scripture is, and you said it well, to remember and then give thanks. Um, and so I think those two things are so vital, so important. And uh, and so I think just as a daily habit to give thanks, and as Thanksgiving comes up, to just do that in more natural ways. We also have a kind of it's a bit forced kind of just go around and say something we're thankful for. Um, but to find other ways that are more natural to kind of just let people know how I'm thankful for them and yeah. and show that, not just say it. And so I think that's, for me, that's what I'm going to try to do. I have a, or I, I'm not sure if it's still written on this little whiteboard that I have hanging in my office here or if I erased it, but it said something along the lines of, uh, it was an N.T. Wright quote from some book that he wrote that I read, that I read a long time ago, um, that when your train of thought leads you to a place of thanksgiving, 
you know that God is preparing you for his work. Hmm. Um, and I loved, I loved how it started with when your train of thought ends at Thanksgiving. So everything you're doing and your thoughts somehow leads you to being thankful for whatever's happening. That's God's spirit preparing you for something. I really do believe that. I think uh, what you're saying about this daily habit um, is something that is important year round, but to capitalize on it during a season where everyone's on the same page. Um, For me, I was thinking a lot about that first Thanksgiving meal, at least how it, how I read it um, through uh, Winslow's um, account and even just kind of the um, stereotypical scene and learning about the, the ways that the native Americans, um, helped that people, um, what they provided for the meal, that they even were the kind of the instigators of the meal makes me want to rethink the way that Thanksgiving is, is viewed. We are all about, at least in our church and our traditions of our church about restoration. Like we really like to look at what, what happened in the past and we want to mimic it. Um, Sometimes that leads to some really great things. Sometimes it leads to stagnation, but we really, we like that. We want to look at the first century church and we want to look at the, the founders of our movement. Like that's going to help us get on track. And what if we took that and applied it to this meal that was done in 1621? What do we learn from trying to get to back to the root of the meal? And it's a table with strangers from different places. Um, and it's a table where the stranger in that position was the one with power and influence and um, the one with that brought food. And so I'm a, you know, dumb millennial that has no kids and just one dog and I live in an apartment. And so when we talk about family, um, I think about it differently than Drew, you would. Um, when you say that it's a time that it's a, like a good downtime for my family, I totally hear that and value it because I experienced that. And I know maybe for a lot of people, including me, I'm like, well, what if we de-emphasized family a little bit and tried to more emphasize an open table, um, a table that's um, less restricted to family? I just, I, I'm, you know, getting triggered right now because, and this sounds like I'm hating my upbringing. I really didn't, but just, I'm just thinking about these things. Um, I would want to do things with friends and this also has to do with like, I wanted to go play games with them. But like, if I wanted to do things with friends on a holiday, I would say, no, that's for families like that, you know? Right. And so we've kind of excluded non-blood relation on some of these holidays as even one that was founded on a meal between people from very different places and languages and, you know, ethnicities. So anyway, I, I just think about, what if the future of Thanksgiving looked more like meals with strangers? Um, that'd be a huge shift, but I just think that would be kind of cool if we stopped emphasizing family as much. Um, but yeah, that might we sound... do, we do create these boundaries that I, I don't think, I don't even think they're Christian or biblical, right? It's more kind of we're in our comfort zone. And so I think there is something to it. And I, I've liked the times when we've, you know, kind of broadened our view of Thanksgiving. And your 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 uh, story about inviting your neighbor, I mean, it's, it was a perfect example. And I actually was writing, you know, stuff down. While yeah, you were and so I think we I just like to do more of that. And that was, you know, that was all 
uh, Jennifer, my wife, and Tyler kind of making that happen. And so uh, I think that um, we we can do more of that. Um, and and I so one of the things I've, I've even talked about this. We need bigger tables. I've even used that term, um, and I don't think in the same way anymore. I think we need open tables. Um, you know, I, there's a place and time for bigger tables, sure. But I think the tables that we already have, um, how can we make them more open? And one place is Thanksgiving, like you've shared. And I think that's corporately, communally, collectively, I think we can we can try to move toward just making our tables more open um, and, and finding ways to um, both include and then allowing ourselves to be included. Um, right, right. Uh, and so, like, be be a, a guest with someone else. Right. And, and so I think that's um, that's big, and that's that, that's going to— I think help us all if we can move that direction in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, the implications that it would have possibly collectively or within a church. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, is there anything that you can think of any ideas for the future of um, a community like Care Church and what this n- possibly new information about Thanksgiving, how that would influence how we celebrate Thanksgiving here? Yeah, I, I mean, as we do as a church, I think we could maybe focus on it as a day of, of sharing, you know, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it plural, sharing our gratitudes, yeah. um, you know, give thanks. And we do, uh, I think we do a, a fairly good job of, of talking about prayer requests when there's a need for prayers, you know, and we need to keep doing that. But what about prayer praises? And, uh, and we can do better at sharing those and highlighting those and uh, and giving thanks. So I think it's something maybe we can do more around Thanksgiving as, as, a, as a community is just um, focus on what we're grateful for and celebrate that somehow. Yeah, I agree. Mine's uh, kind of similar. I think about um, how specialized the original Thanksgiving model was. You know, it was, we're giving thanks for these crops, you know, and we see them and we've interacted with them and now we're seeing you know, the products come into place. And I think that maybe um, collectively our Thanksgiving celebrations lack a certain specificity that maybe we need to recapture. Um, It's very easy to say I'm thankful for my family. Well, let's go a little bit deeper than that. You know, like what is it, like let's think about, let's reflect on your family more and what is it that you love about your family, what are they actually, what value are they bringing to your lives? And the better that we can name it and be specific about it, I think the more powerful that moment of Thanksgiving and even that future moment of transformation is going to be. And I think, anyway, that's just something that I think is lacking. And I think it's just because we don't take the time to reflect longer, because if we want to be more specific, we have to think longer on it. And we're just not willing to do that. I also think there's a correlation between the fact that we we have unintentionally closed tables at Thanksgiving because maybe our families aren't around our tables often enough throughout the rest of the year. You know what I mean? So we feel like there's this... We're too busy the rest of the year. So we, exactly. Yeah. So we really value... We put a premium on Thanksgiving right. because we haven't put a premium on anything else. And so how do we have to live our lives differently the rest of the year so that when Thanksgiving comes, we don't have to say, oh, that's the one time I see my family. Right. I know there's complications with traveling and communication. That's not what I'm I'm getting at here, but you know, at least as a as a household, you know, yeah, how and, can that change? Yeah, and there's, uh, I mean, we do things like I know that the people on our street where we live here in Richardson have a friendsgiving, and that's something that 
probably goes back to I don't know the TV show Friends or something like that. But is that, is the, did they call it that on Friends? They probably didn't. I'm just saying. I know that they got to Thanksgiving was a big episode every year for the show Friends. I don't yeah. know when Friendsgiving actually got How started. How I Met Your Mother, I think, uses um, Friendsgiving. Okay, it's, I don't think yeah. the show Friends used the term. Right, um, but I'm with you. But that was a big feature of their every year on their show. And so, um, anyway, I, so the people on our street get together for Friendsgiving, and it's, it's more neighborly. And so I think there's there's even things happening that our church can say, hey, let's let's have a Friendsgiving, or maybe we call it something different. But um, Which... Honestly, we kind of do with praise and pie. I mean, it's that's um, good. yeah, it right. is it is something where we come together the week of and enjoy some praise and some pie together. And so I think, and that's a tradition uh, that you brought with you when you came here. And so I think it's a it's a it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I honestly, that's a great way to end this this first episode. Is um, I think there are opportunities to take the things we talked about and to reevaluate the way that we celebrate Thanksgiving or at least think about Thanksgiving. And there's even some opportunities at Care Church um, for those of you who are listening. I think there's there. I hope you're encouraged to take some time and think about and uh, reflect on this season and the ways that you celebrate it personally or with your family. But know that here at, at Care Church, we're trying to think more about how can we um capitalize on this season for the sake of, of our faith. Um, and, um, and we're trying to do that. And so maybe praise and pie is a good first step. Um, and so for many of you, maybe you've never come before, maybe some of you will be traveling and we get it, but for those of you who are in town, um, come by, it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, um, Tuesday night, uh, we have a time of exactly what it sounds like praise and pie. And actually Drew and I are, are organizing that night and a lot of people from our church are providing the pies. And it's going to be just a great night, very relaxed, very low-key, a great place to bring your neighbors to if you want them to meet your second family, as it were, here at the church. So um, hopefully you can come to that. Drew, I think that's it for us. Um, how did it feel to be back behind the mic? Feels good. Uh, even didn't get a chance to talk about everything I want to talk about. So uh, even with an hour and a half or so, I don't know how long we've been on here. I think hour 15 or something. So yeah, an hour plus. I still need more time with the microphone. So I look forward to the next time we do part part, part two. Part two of the holiday special of Considerable Thought will be coming at you in early December. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Until next time, take care.